Welcome to this week's podcast. And um, today I'm chatting with Mark Kirtland. Um, I found his Instagram account recently and had a really lovely afternoon scrolling through his images. And now there aren't a, a huge amount of photographer's work that I instantly say, oh, wow, that's incredible. And keep scrolling and keep looking. But I had a, quite, quite a long time looking at your work, Mark. So thank you so much for agreeing to join me today. Thank you, Margaret, and thank you for the kind words. That's all right. It's a pleasure. Um, so I, I just really wanted to have a, a chat and just to find it because I don't know much about you. So I think it would be just nice today to just find out a little bit more about what your work looks like and your, your life looks like. Um, so if you could just tell us a little bit about how, you, how, how your photography uh, life looks like at the moment, that would be great. Yeah, so um, photography is not my profession. It's not something I make a great deal of money from. In fact, I plough far more into it than I could ever make back, uh, to be honest. So my my main job, I actually work as a social worker um, here in Glasgow. Um, I I do, I kind of, uh, I went back to uni a few years ago and I, I did an extra qualification in mental health law. So that's what my, my primary kind of role is as a, what's called a mental health officer, um, mostly dealing with uh, the legislative side behind uh, working with people and treating people with mental illness. So that's what I do, sort of nine to five, and it's a job I absolutely love. Like, really, really enjoy it. Um, so the the scuba diving, the snorkeling, the photography is very much just something that I do, um, just because I, I I really enjoy it. It gets me out to the most most beautiful places. Um, it's where I spend my my. Uh, Weekends, my if I'm feeling particularly motivated, my evenings after after work, and always, you know, my summer holidays for I think the last six years, um, have all been in Scotland. Have all been diving trips, uh, snorkeling trips, or just getting away up the coast myself. And it's all really, really focused on um, underwater photography. So it's very, very much um, what my you know what my kind of passion and focus focus is. That's a very intense job then that you've got, isn't it? So that's like, um, obviously, five days a week, nine to five is so quite an intense um, work schedule. So to find the time to, to do everything that you're doing, it must be quite hard, is it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's actually all right. Like, I'm, I'm 38 year old and I don't have any commitments other than to myself and a, a small cat. Uh, which which I uh, actually just adopted a cat in March, so that's that's made me have to think about my timings of when I'm away for weekends and things like that. But I, I'm pretty free, you know, um, to, to to do what I want at, at weekends um, and to yeah, it's it's really just I I'm the only person that that I've got any real real commitments to. Um, so it's no, it's okay. I managed to to fit it in. Well, you seem quite buoyant about it all, don't you? I think it sounds like I mean, it's, it's an incredible job that you're doing. So, so needed in, in the world at the moment, isn't it? But I, I think um, you, you seem like you, you cope with that quite well. I think I would I would struggle with that kind of a job supporting people all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. I think um, in the job, I, I kind of meet people at their kind of lowest points at the points where when they're most unwell you know when uh, I'm a, a qualified social worker so if you need a social worker or a social work service generally it's because things maybe aren't going to plan in your life so I do um that's that's the the sort of the point that I I uh, meet people and interact with them and you get a lot of sad sad stories really sort of difficult difficult lives that people have led but it it I don't know. I always find it offers me a bit of perspective on where I am and and how lucky I am with with what I do have. Um, so I actually don't find it, it, the job is certainly it's not certainly not an easy job. It's it's got its challenges. Um, it's got its days where quite frequently when I'm under a lot of pressure, just because of often the volume of work or the complexity of some of the um, the situations I'm dealing with, the decisions that I need to make, but on the whole it it rarely tips into stress i can have i've learned to understand the difference between the pressure and and stress and i actually i i, I quite like working under pressure 
and occasionally it does tip into stress and that's when I know that I need to make make some adjustments and actually quite often one of the first things to go when I know work is starting to take over is my motivation for things out with work mainly because I'm knackered you know I've I, I'll use my weekends to recharge uh, and and I come home at night and I, I'm just mentally exhausted and that's always a sign that I, I need to tweak tweak the balance and so quite often it is just tackling things in work that I've maybe maybe been putting off difficult decisions uh, and sometimes it does just take take these moments to actually force you to to address address some some difficult things uh, so I think I've built up a, I've been a social worker um, for 10 years now so I've kind of built an understanding of how it affects me so thankfully it's not a job that that, that I would say uh, you know kind of dominates my life or I don't need to I don't need to use diving and photography as some some uh, escape from it because actually I love my job and I love diving and photography so it's a it's a good balance I think I've got yeah you, you just hit on that exactly the sort of assumption that I could have easily made there I probably was about to make <laughs> is photography your release then um, but it's it's actually really nice to hear you speak about the fact that it's not your release actually and you, you've you've learned that to be able to cope with stress and how you know as you said really really wonderfully there how um, the difference between um, uh, between stress and, and allowing it to tip over but I think and I think that's something that we all need to learn isn't it um, I'm definitely the same and definitely actually I was a bit stressed today because I was I've been avoiding a few tasks on my my to-do list <laughs> and I was going why well, I'm feeling stressed because they're still there and I haven't done them <laughs> it's been two weeks so just do them and then I'll feel better so I think we all we all I know that feeling that. Margaret yeah 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 and it's it's really important actually to, to be hearing that that you know that you can cope with things in a in a different way as you obviously have found found ways of coping and also I just have to say that it's very admirable the job that you that you do it's um how to put that but I, I'm just always grateful that people do these jobs because I know how hard they are and how much they're needed so and probably often under appreciated as well um so there we are so we'll move on from the, the job I just found that fascinating actually um that you're you're you know you're managing to do the, the the two things so has this been quite a long time that you've been developing the photography for the photography I wouldn't say it's it's been a long time I I've always been creative. When I left school, I studied illustration, and it was it was mainly because when I left school, I I was a bit of a loss what I actually wanted to to do with myself. I I was always creative. I always enjoyed art. I was okay at it, so I studied illustration for a few years. Where I part of the course, we did a little bit of photography. So this was back when I was you know seventeen, eighteen, and then I ended up in a job as a carer and that led me on to the, the social work job but it was about it was probably about go oh, 10-12 years ago where I took up scuba diving I've always had a fascination with with the sea and particularly the the, the sea around the UK and um, because most of my holidays when I was younger we we stayed in the UK I didn't go abroad till I was 16 so I just had this real kind of connection and and wonder about the about British waters and Scot Scottish seas in particular that you know that kind of rugged wild coastline that we've got so that's why I took up the scuba diving around 10 years ago I, I actually I, I got a little bored of it after a few years I did a few trips to to the Red Sea and things like that but and absolutely loved them stunning place but there was a point where the, the, the diving itself wasn't wasn't enough and I think it was just that natural creative impulse that led me to to buy a camera, you know, a small compact underwater camera. And that that was probably seven or eight years ago. And it's just been it's a it's been a, a passion that's sort of slowly grown over the you know, over that period of time. But I, I would say in particular it's been the last it's probably been about four years where it has really gripped me and where it has been the thing that you know, when I'm trying to sleep at night, I'm thinking about the, the 
you know, the framing the pictures that I want and where can I go to take this picture and you know it's it's a great thing to to keep you awake but it it it, it really occupies my mind at times um so it's probably been about four maybe about four years where I've started to really sort of I don't know if I would say put my heart and soul into it but it's really gripped me so that's and over that period of time I've you know it's not a it's not a cheap um endeavor photography at the best of times but when you want to take a camera underwater that adds uh, another layer of cost so it, it's taken me a, a bit of time to build a setup and up be able to upgrade sell off my old kit and and finance the next um set to to get to a point where I'm I'm really happy with the with the setup that I've got now and I I would I got this the, the current setup I got it think about 18 months ago and since then that is kind of I've just found I've been able to take pictures that maybe I wasn't able to before and that has just furthered you know the last sort of year and a half I have been really quite active and and enthusiastic getting into the water as as often as I can so that's that's been my 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 journey from I think I started at 17 there so (laughs) That was good. It's your journey in three minutes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's when you... There's so much I wanted to ask you about there. But the big point for me and the reason that I love your work and I love the, um, the, the sort of vibe behind it is because it's Scotland and because it's a UK coast. And I'm really, really interested in this idea of, was of Scotland, of, of shooting local... Um, but what you've done is something that's really, really tough, isn't it? Because you can go to and you see like amazing underwater photos or split photos from like Hawaii and, and, and you know, really beautiful destinations with clear, clear waters and it's a bit warmer as well. But to do it in Scotland, and I know this from my experience, to do it in Scotland, you, you're almost fighting against the conditions aren't you and the the weather and the conditions but to me your images are just like so powerful because of that because they're because it's Scotland because I feel connected to Scotland you clearly do and because you're specializing in that I just think there's so much more power behind it and I think that's why I really thought oh wow this is something really special here Um, and I couldn't quite believe you've got some of the images you have done in Scotland (laughs) It's amazing, absolutely amazing. So, but it's that idea of being, being here, and it's probably is it. So, is it rooted in the fact that you, you when you said you took trips uh, or holidays when you were young, was it around Scotland that you you always stayed? Yeah. So, some of my earliest childhood memories were holidays uh, on the coast around Dumfries and Galloway, Port Patrick, Stranraer. And I, I just remember being, you know, maybe being four, five, six, and just being kind of in awe of the the power of the sea, and it was quite terrifying, you know, at that 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 age, everything is massive, but there is just something about some of the places that we went to as a family that were they felt remote and they felt rugged and powerful and there was that I think just that that kind of curiosity myself kind of enjoying the the almost enjoying that kind of slight anxiety about this the vastness that that opened out in front of you and the huge cliffs and the the rolling waves and that's a it's a kind of childhood memory that's really firmly imprinted in my mind and part of that part of the Part of the holidays was visiting public aquariums, was visiting like sea life centres and little research stations, and just being fascinated with the the weird the, the weird life forms that we that that were on show there. And I think it was just a kind of combination of that. I don't know if that naturally I I would have liked the sea anyway if I didn't do that, but it just kind of really I think put something at the core of what is now driving driving my my photography and my desire to sort of show what we've got here in Scotland. I think in, te- in terms of shooting in Scotland, I think you're absolutely right. Like the, the challenges here, just the technical challenges um, are one thing. And often finding people are always astonished to, to, to see what we've actually got in our seas here. However, it, finding the kind of photographic opportunities that are really going to work 
isn't that easy. It's not like certain you know places around the, the world where you can show up and you've got your choice of you know fifty subjects that that are would just be absolutely amazing. You know exactly where to go. You you're guaranteed to see them. There is a real sort of challenge and a element of luck and a, an element of perseverance to get what we've got here. So I I, I think part of my motivation has also been I, I enjoy bringing something different to the sort of the mass of photographs that you can see underwater photography I think because of the advances in technology is much much more accessible than it was 20 years ago so there's you know millions of photos probably taken every day um, and there's loads of absolutely amazing photos but to to, to stand out amongst them is, I think, is quite difficult. So I think finding a little local niche in a, you know, in a country, the UK is not particularly well photographed in Scotland in particular, underwater compared to the tropics. So I think finding that niche has been a, a real motivator for me. I've, I've also wondered whether it's actually a little kind of safety net for myself because I, I do have that that kind of question of whether if I went abroad and took photos in these amazing, absolutely amazing conditions with these amazing subjects, whether I'm not sure I could produce images that actually stand out. So I don't know if it's a bit of self-doubt that, that you know, I'm not sure I can do much there, but at least here I've got my, my, little, uh, my little niche that at least I'm kind of working on that I know is at the very least it's going to be a a different location, a different subject with a, a slightly different mood to it than, than you might see. So, yeah, there's a few things going on, uh, I think, that, that really motivate me to, to shoot in Scotland. Yeah, I, 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 everything that you've just said there, totally, I totally love it. Um, I think when you, you, you're talking about um, going elsewhere and it being... I don't think it is. I think, it, I think what you've done is you have tapped like really quickly and straight into that core love, which has come from your childhood. You, once you've explained it, it's really, really clear. You know, we, we do have these things that we connect to really deeply on that on that level um, that's, that's deeper than anything else. If you've, if you've had an experience as a child and you've loved it, that is the thing. That is the thing that's going to get you further in your photography if you're going to if you pursue that, like you have, um, and and understand that that's that is just the thing that you love doing. So, you've got this connection to the coast, Scotland, and then you've got this fascination with the underwater world, which comes from the visits to sea life, I suppose. And you put the two together, and now you're you're putting them into practice and evolving. And developing, you know, with kit and, and technique and whatnot. And um, but basically, you fundamentally got that you've got the heart of it there, and that's what I saw in your Instagram account. And I saw the heart; it's there because you you really love it. And um, I think that if you went over to where do you, where do you photograph underwater? The Red Sea, is it? Maybe? Yeah, we'll go go with the Red Sea. <laughs> well, that'll do. Well, that'll do. Yep, yep. If you went over there, you lose you lose the heart, you lose the connection. It's just like landscape photography. You, you, you see a difference in people's work when they shoot something they love and you know and they have a connection with. Um, so you're doing the same thing under the water. So I think when you, if you were to go over there, yeah, you might get some great shots of certain fish that are really colourful. But you're absolutely right. How does it stand out? It it doesn't, does it? It just gets lost in a, a random random pictures of under the underwater world, which I find... Oh, I've got to be careful there. I was going to say I find quite boring, but I do actually... Um, can I, I think I can say that it's my podcast, isn't it? So you say what you want. <laughs> I do actually find a lot of underwater photography just kind of a bit standard, technically amazing, but standard. Whereas your images have just got something extra, um, and they might not be. The point is, they might not be technically perfect because I've seen some of, I've read some of the things you've written, and you know, maybe some of the earlier images, and you're saying that they're not perfect but they've got this heart to them and you'll find the way to evolve and to to refine that technique and you'll be incredible well, you are incredible but you will be even more incredible <laughs> you just keep going but you've got that persistence as well and that drive to keep doing it and that's part of it isn't it yeah yeah so i'm, I'm lapping these compliments up margaret i'm i'm really <laughs> i'm really enjoying this yeah i actually i i i look at i quite often look at my own my own portfolio with a with a degree of 
frustration. Um, okay. That I, I, I like my images, I like my photographs. I, I, there's nothing more satisfying than when you're taking the photo and you look in the viewfinder at the preview and you're like, yeah, there's there's something good there. Uh, and then, the you know, coming home, putting the SD card in your computer. I, I love it, absolutely love it. And when I when I get an image that I'm I'm happy with, um, it's just such a great feeling. But I do there. I I don't know what I want more from my my, fo- my my photography. There's there's ideas in my head that I I want to try and introduce. I want to. I, I don't know if it's just a, a kind of technical thing, but I sometimes I look at my images and I I do just see, you know, this is a picture of a jellyfish. It, it's a nice picture of a jellyfish. But is there much more going going on beyond that? But you know what you've said, your reaction to my photographs and and how you were describing it there, and you you obviously think there is much more going on beyond that is is really really nice to hear. Um, sometimes I'd like to introduce a bit more. Um, I'm not sure if abstract is the right word because I still like to have an identifiable image and scene, but just something a bit more creative. Add, add layers, use sort of slower shutter speeds to just put a bit more, um, just a bit more into it. So that's something that I'm I'm hoping over the next, the you know the next year or two, I can I can develop the the images a bit further. I don't know. I might lose my way completely and and lose what is actually what I enjoy about about, about the images that I do produce just now. But um, I'm still. I'm, I'm sure every photographer gets this, just that kind of longing for just something a wee bit more in their their, their pictures. But we'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, but that's just natural, isn't it? That's like that's like evolving and and developing, isn't it? And I think being aware of that is is a great thing, isn't it? My the the images that I started doing, sort of the the split split images, just came from. Um, a desire to just play in the water a little bit with my iPhone and now I'm just um, developing that very very slowly because I don't get in the water enough with my camera and it's so um, you have to be out there all the time don't you to get these these moments and these these weather conditions I think that we we just the more that we do the closer we get to the, the style of what it is we want to say. So it's just a matter of working and working through it and, and being consciously aware of, actually, I do want to go a bit further. I'm just looking at your portfolio on Instagram, just as we're talking, actually. And the, the ones that really um, stand out to me are the, the split the split scenes, probably because I love, I you know, I realise I love them. But I think that, that what you're doing there is merging um the two things that I just you spoke of when you said what you loved when you were a a child and that's Scotland and these wild seas and then uh, um the weird and wonderful creatures um and you're putting the two together so you're putting these creatures and then you've got Scotland and Scotland's in the background so for me um the ones where we can see Scotland and we know it's Scotland are more powerful than the fully underwater ones um but saying that as I've just scrolled down, there's a couple that are really amazing, and it's um, it's a it's a I'll have to I wish I could um, show it on screen, but I can't. It's a lion's mane jellyfish and some Highland sunbeams in Kinloch Burry, and it's just a jellyfish with like a sort of abstract kind of sun blue sunburst behind it, and that's kind of verging on abstract. That's amazing. Um, there's so many amazing images here. Actually, I think everybody needs to go and have a look at Mark's. Mark, it's Mark Underwater on Instagram, by the way. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's there's probably some that maybe aren't touching that kind of um, same sort of feel as others. But that's that's natural, isn't it? As a photographer, we all have those things that we're going well. You know what? That isn't quite um, what we what we wanted to achieve. But you have to work through these things to get to that to the good stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I, I can I see it as a, a constant progression. I'm always looking for new, whether it's new subjects, new new ideas, new locations. And I, I think you you know you you mentioned the weather there. That's something that I have found myself uh, paying far more attention to than I was even you know a, a year, a year and a half ago. I've I found some fantastic locations down on the Ayrshire coast 
that have just proved to be really, really productive for photography. Um, in fact, I should credit my my friend Jay, who does a lot of snorkeling down there. He's been he's he's found some good locations. Um, so, and 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 the thing I've noticed about that part of the country is that the skies are just spectacular. I'm sure it must just be to do with their location and um, the Isle of Arran and things like that nearby. Uh, but particularly at night, you get the most spectacular sunsets. Um, you get some really clear nights that I, I'm kind of thinking, how would how could I work astrophotography into a split shot? Um, so I'm, I find myself, I've got a few apps on my phone now that tell me, um, you know, quite precise weather conditions, tide times, uh, tide heights, whether it's likely to be choppy when I go down there or not. Um, so I, yeah, I've I find myself just looking looking beyond just what's under the water far more than I used to, and it is because I, I really love doing the the, the split split photography. Um, I, I think it it creates that connection between what we can see and what we can't normally see and I think it I think it appeals to people who who don't dive because it kinda invites them in to understand what you know, what a diver snorkeling might see and it puts puts the thing in some sort of context that is is otherwise completely missing. So that's that's what I try and do with with the sort of split images. I mean it, it, maybe that's a complicated of way of saying I just yeah, I look, I look for a I look for a nice background and a nice subject and then see what happens. That's the reduced reduced version of what I'm trying to say, Margaret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it does actually make sense because it does put it into context, doesn't it? It's kind of like, um, yeah, we've, we've got that. We, we, we know where we are. We're in Scotland. And um, I think that's really important that you, you're actually showing that and, and demonstrating that. I am just like intrigued as to how you actually find all this, this wildlife there. I suppose that... Um, I haven't been obviously doing this as long as you have or with any kind of persistence because I have I just haven't been I, I've been doing this out in the Outer Hebrides and, and for, for a reason I, I decided last year that I thought if I book an exhibition of these split images in July 2023 then I'll have to shoot for it <laughs> so, so I've got an exhibition coming up but I haven't been out as much as I um, needed to be out because I don't live there so I'm, and every time I've been there it's, it's been awful awful conditions and the wind's really high the wind can be really high out there now the wind I mean I don't know what your opinion on this but it's, the wind is the one thing that it's I find difficult because it's choppy it's so so choppy and I find that really difficult so yeah I, I'm I'm not reading the weather well enough or spending enough time out but I certainly don't know how to find all these creatures I'd love to see some of these <laughs> amazing jellyfish how do you find them good question <laughs> element of luck um, and timing they, they yeah so they they tend to jellyfish in particular is something that make just great subjects for a you know for a split photograph and they haven't there hasn't been a huge amount this year until until really the last couple of weeks where there was a huge bloom of jellyfish down on the Ayrshire coast um, I I'm, I'm at a bit of a loss how to actually predict where they'll be and when. It's they are a you know they're a, a a creature that'll be around in the summer. They're very rarely seen over the winter, so it tends to be towards the end of the summer. Um, and it's to do with you know it's it's tide directions and well t- you know tide times and wind direction. Actually, they kind of do travel with the wind. So if there's uh, you know, if there's an easterly wind, then they will hit the west coast in, in larger numbers. But it it's really hard to predict, and I have found it just spending time in the water and and making sure that I'm there is the thing that that is going to produce more results. I have, you know, I've went on many trips. I, I stay in Glasgow. I'm not far from quite a few good uh, locations up the west coast. Um, Many a time I've I've driven out there, whether it's an hour, hour and a half, and just not bothered getting in the water because uh, the conditions just aren't right. So it is, it, it's hard, it's hard to predict these things. But some of the, I mean, t- just when you mentioned 
actually finding the creatures at the right time. I do research, like if I've if I want to photograph a, something that I've maybe not seen photographed many times before, or it's it's uncommon. I try and do a bit of research into locations, what time of year they might be there, what time of day they might be there. You know, certain certain fish and creatures only come out at night. And I think the location in particular, I have become quite familiar with where I, I know I can get certain subjects based purely on location. I'm, I know that likes of Loch Leaven up at Balahulish, there's loads of rays there. there. There are certain points of the loch where if you go in, you're kind of 75% chance of seeing rays. So it's a species I've never been able to take a good photo of but it's something over the next few months I'd like to get myself up to up to Balahulish in the water as often as I can and try and get I don't know how I'm going to do it because I'm at a bit of loss creatively how to take something take a good photo of something that just camouflages itself as sand so I need to yeah I need to I need to have some some real thinking about how to how to do this, but that's an example of a species that I know the location, I know the specific dive sites where I can go to, uh, where I, where I'm going to get that 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 creature. I found I have rather than just diving and seeing, you know, let's dive and see what's there. I don't do that anymore, or I very rarely do that. I'm very focused on. Um, I'm, the, I'm diving to take photographs, and I'm there for a specific reason, for a specific scene, for a you know for a specific species, because that influences, as I said, you know when you go, where you go, your your lens choice as well, and all that sort of thing. So I, I've kind of moved on from just diving with a camera to actually the the the, the diving as the the vehicle to get me in the water to do the main purpose of the activity is to to take those photos. So it, it comes down to planning, really, and and having a, a little bit of knowledge, but and, and luck, luck as well is is hugely important here. Yeah, I hadn't even. I don't know why I didn't think of that because actually, because I have probably just been going in the water at every opportunity that I've had and wondering why I'm not seeing anything. But actually, it's just the same as landscape photography. You really have to plan. You have to know. you have to know, and then the more that you know about locations and wind direction and wave direction and whatever do your chances just go up don't they so I suppose this, maybe I should be approaching this slightly differently I've always I've wanted to photograph a seal in the water for for years but they never never get I've swum with a lot of them actually but they never get close enough to them <laughs> can't quite figure that one out yes yeah, seals are one species and I would love to photograph underwater in Scotland they're they're uh there's loads of seals in Scotland, as we know, but there's nowhere where they're really comfortable with people in the water. There is a there's a a few places in England where if you go diving, you're pretty much guaranteed to have seals literally come up and you know nibble your fins and bite your camera gear and stuff like that. It's amazing. Like the the Farne Islands on the Northumberland coast is really famous for it, uh, but it it's south of the border, so. It's it's beyond it's it's beyond my my area of interest. I'm afraid. Not Scotland, is it? I was in Lewis recently, and uh, there were seals swimming with me. But and you know they pop up and they watch you and they swim along, but they're just too it's just too far. You know so they're not they're not running away, but they're not coming close. Uh, so anyway. yeah, and coal as well. I, I remember being in coal and the seals. They were probably the closest seals that I've or the seemingly the friendliest seals that I've um, been in the water with but I didn't have my cameras at that time so um, but Col's a great place you've got an amazing photo of a basking shark in Col haven't you yeah so I've, the, the basking shark's been a kind of a, a project of mine for the last sort of three or four years I've spent the three out of the last four summers staying on the island of call for it's a week and it's with a, a, a company called Baskin Shark Scotland who you know they're really I think they've got a kind of worldwide reputation now because they are the company to take you out to swim with the second largest fish in the sea um, so yeah I've spent the last uh, sort of three three summers that's been my big holiday a week on the island of call uh, trying to trying to find Baskin Sharks and snorkel with them and, and photograph them um, but again, it's you're at the mercy of wildlife. I've not always had uh, 
successful trips and then I've had just the most spectacular spectacular weeks where you you just get so many interactions so many photo opportunities um, it's something it's something that I think I can improve on the, the Baskin Shark photos that I've got especially the, the split shots is something that hasn't really been done before there was a handful of uh, people tried split shots you know over the years there's a famous underwater photographer Alex Mustard who I think around about 2013 managed to get some some really nice split shots but apart from that I thought there seems to be a real not gap in the market but just that it's something that isn't that commonly seen so um, part of that project trying to get Baskin Sharp splits was uh, getting a custom piece of equipment made up it was actually a, a 19 inch dome port that I got just to control the the movement of the 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 water against the you know against the camera lens because with a 19 inch port it gives you that that sort of wiggle room for the water to be able to move without it either completely putting your lens under or above the water so it was a you know it was a really sort of experimental thing that I think it paid off that was the last time I was up in the island yeah, that was two years ago and I, I got got some shots I was really really happy with but I've since upgraded my camera to something that I think would handle the technical side of things much much more because you're shooting in really it's low light conditions you're having to push push your camera to its its kind of limits so the the kind of finer image quality of those shots um that's a frustration for me so it's something I hope to hope to try again maybe next year it's a it's a battle isn't it with um this on this podcast we haven't I've never asked anybody what camera they used or anything about their kit but I'm just going to have to. I'm going to have to with you because the the underwater photography and the split split images are just so technically kit. The better kit you've got, that it, you know, it means that you can get the shot, or you're not going to get that shot. So the, I think it's very different when you, we we look at this kind of work. Um, the splits split images are just so so difficult. So so tell me what you're shooting with just now. Okay, so just now I'm shooting with a Nikon D500. Um, and uh, it's a Tokina 2017 uh, fisheye. The underwater housing that I've got, I most of my shots are actually shot with a, a four inch dome on the housing. So it's not a big dome and actually it means that when there is slight movement in the water, it, it makes shooting split shots really, really difficult. But I managed to kind of get by with it. But I've recently bought myself a 17 inch dome for this new setup. Um, and that's where I, I got a couple of jellyfish shots um, over the last sort of month that I'm really happy with. And the, the big dome just makes it so much easier. But actually, the, the majority of my my previous stuff was with the Olympus OMD EM5 Mark II. So it wasn't, you know, it's not a particularly fancy camera. And again, that was just, that was with a, a four inch dome port on the underwater housing. So that that had its, its challenges. I did find, you know, you. You take a lot of photos. You're you're bound to one of them is bound to just land in the right place. So that's it. That's the tactic. Just is it? What what do they say? Spray spray and pray. Is that the term? I don't know. Yeah. Spray spray and pray underwater. It doesn't work yeah. for me actually. Spray and pray underwater because <laughs> I in fact I went went out to uh, it was I was doing a swim trip on on Lewis and um, I couldn't quite get my underwater housing. I think it just wasn't completely clicked in, and the 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 uh, the button just wasn't it wasn't pressing. <laughs> and I was going, come on, come on. <laughs> So I've got to, I've got to do something with it, but I use um, an XT Fuji XT3, which is um, it's a great camera. It's not it's not one of the you know higher end ones, um, and it's it's in a Sea Frogs housing, which is a fairly simplistic ha- um, housing, um, but it, generally it works for me, apart from that time. It works for me really well, um, but I'm, I'm aware that I probably need to do a little bit of research and try and um, you know refine and. Um, get a little bit better with the technicals because I think then my hit rate will go up um, a little bit I think so um, just one last last thing I can't really let you go without asking you about the frog image because the frog is just fantastic it's just a, a, a brilliant and it's not um, I can I can see from it actually 
it's probably not shot with the best of kit, is it? No, that that no that that one was shot with the uh, the old Olympus that I was shooting with the OMD EM5 Mark II. So it's a micro four thirds camera. Um, it's it the, the lens I was using was the uh, Panasonic eight mil fisheye, which is a lens I really really like, but it's still got it's got the kind of limitations um, to it just in terms of the, the camera that it's going into. So yeah, so that that shot it was actually that was round about March twenty twenty. I took that shot literally the week before the the first lockdown, and it, it's an image that had been in my head for for quite a few years actually. I had it was back in twenty nineteen. I was looking for new subjects to photograph. I was you know I was going up to the sea locks. I was doing a lot of diving, but I was thinking, how do I get something that isn't really photographed often in Scotland? And I thought amphibians. Let's have a look at what amphibians we've got here. I didn't know the first thing about them. Um, started doing my research into frogs, and again, it was I was I was literally pulling off like research papers that tracked the frog populations uh, through central Scotland. So I used that to try and find locations that I knew uh, the frogs were likely to be, and also I learned that frogs generally they're not in the water apart from a few weeks a year at the end of winter as spring is starting to come in as temperatures are starting to rise. Um, the, the frogs, they all pile into ponds to breed for a couple of weeks and then they leave. So I, I can have, I tried to time things for when that, that event was happening and I found myself going round, uh, you know, it was a good sort of two or three weeks after work and at the weekends, every single day, going round all these locations I had read about and either the, the pond was completely empty or it was full of frog spawn but no frogs, so it was too late. Uh, and it was on the last day, it was a Saturday, I can remember it, uh, Saturday, really nice day, it was still quite sort of, still chilly but sunny, it was one of those nice crisp days, um, I was ready to give up and I drove down, it's only about 20 minutes away from me, uh, down to Torrey Glen, which is a part of Glasgow, um, into this little community run woodland called Mallsmire, and it's situated behind uh, an Asda, uh, an industrial estate and a large housing estate so it's quite a kind of unusual place to, to find wildlife but I've since read that it's actually quite an important sort of uh, wildlife pathway through the through the city and through the centre of Glasgow and yeah I, I showed up and the, the pond was completely completely full of frogs um, so I spent the entire day there just lying lying at the side of the, the pond not getting in the water uh, take, taking photos of frogs through the day, and I just you know I got I got some images that I really really liked. Um, one of them was it was a kind of early competition uh, success where it placed third in the macro category of the British uh, categories of the underwater photographer of the year, which was my first kind of almost uh, validation. It's not a word I like to use, but the the judges were were people that I really admire, and the fact that they had liked my image just gave me a bit of kind of confidence that, yeah, if you put the effort in, you can get some nice images. Um, but the the location itself, while I was there, I thought with these really imposing tower blocks in the background, it could make a really interesting shot that. Um, that, that could potentially really stand out. And of course, as I was thinking, uh, I thought, why not develop it further and try and do it at night? Because that would be even more spectacular. So I had it all thought out in terms of what I what I needed to do uh, technically, what the setup would be, where the lights would be. I was going to be shooting from a remote trigger uh, just on my, an app on my phone. Um, and I came back. I, I, had, I didn't leave enough time to do it in 2019, uh, oh no, that would have been 2018 actually, so went back in 2019 uh, and the pond was completely dried out at that time of the year, so missed it. Um, 2020, I went back and spent five nights and I think a total of about 25 hours uh, lying in the mud until half two in the morning trying to get this shot that I just knew I could see it in my head. I could see the composition that I wanted, and I just knew if I could get all the technical things right, then 
then it could work. Um, I didn't have a tripod or anything like that. It's a 30 second exposure, which I think is for, you know, for an underwater shot is quite, uh, I was being uh, optimistic that I could get away with this, but it, it it's worked. Uh, didn't have a tripod. It's piled, my camera's piled on some bricks that I found um, just scattered around the pond. Um, the, yeah, every single night I went down, I went down about half past nine. I would get myself set up. The frogs would be there, but invariable, invariably there, there would be something that that stopped the picture happening. So either my camera would fall off the bricks uh, or the frogs would disappear, uh, often for hours at a time, or it would start raining. So that it meant that the top half of the, the camera would get water droplets on it, so I had to wait for the rain. Uh, or my strobes would go to sleep and they wouldn't flash when I when I pressed the shutter. Um, sometimes everything aligned, everything looked absolutely perfect, and then the connection to my phone would die, and I, I would lose that that remote trigger connection. So that uh, night after night, um, I I was determined that this image w- would happen, and the frogs were there. They were. They were curious. They were actually they they kept on gathering in huge numbers around my camera, but behind the lens at the back side of it, rather than at the front. Uh, so I, yeah, I was just I was lying there in complete darkness with a head torch on, which I had to keep off because it it scared the frogs. Um, questioning my life choices at times, but but I was, there was there was something there was something strangely enjoyable about it and I think the fact that I was in a you know I'm in a busy city there was a bit of anxiety about who might come by and I'm sitting there with a a few thousand pounds worth of camera gear but only two people passed me and I think I gave them more of a fright than than they gave me Um, but eventually on the on the last night uh, it, it was one of the last photos that I took but everything just seemed to seemed to line up um, the the clouds cleared uh, just enough that I still had a bit of cloud in the sky, which I think was quite nice. The the full moon was out, and it was the timing of it. It was just passing, uh, passing behind the trees. The this little frog just moved into position and stayed perfectly still. And yeah, I hit the shutter thirty seconds, and it's recorded recorded that frog shot, which uh, it. Technically, it's definitely the most difficult shot I've taken, but I think there is something about it that that I do really like. I think it's the frog. It's the frog that's doing all the work, really, because I, I think I could... I've thought about, you know, can I recreate this with my new setup? But actually, there is just something in that expression and that, that pose that, you know, I can't... <laughs> how do I ask a, a frog to do that again? I don't think I can. Uh, so... Yeah, I did. I actually I went back last year um, with my new setup to thinking if I can do this, but uh, better, you know, it would be, just be absolutely amazing. But I I just didn't have the motivation for some reason. I went down one night. I, I was there for about an hour, and I just was I wasn't in the in the frame of mind that I was was that time. And I I do find that I find sometimes I go through little phases where. Um, where I'd just lost a bit of motivation, um, and that used to worry me a little bit. That oh no, am I going to just have to sell all my camera gear and never take photos? But I've kind of learned that actually, it's fine. It's just a, a phase you're going through. So I'm hoping I'll be looking out for you know the right the right weather window this spring coming, uh, and go down and and see if I can do anything similar. Maybe not better, but just. Yeah. Something different, maybe. I really don't think anybody could accuse you of lack of motivation after, after hearing what you just went through to get the shot. Yeah. So just just yeah. for the, listen, the listeners who haven't seen the shot, there's a, it's a frog. It's obviously lit underwater, and then above, um, the, the split part above is is depths of night, but with some Glasgow tenement flats lit up in. The, so it's probably you know looking you're looking at it going, how on earth do you achieve that? You know, te- just technically, but. 
it, it's more than that, isn't it? It's the persistence and the dedication that you, you put into that's That's why you've got this image. And it's a really great lesson for everybody that, you know, part of photography, it, that that's what it is. Um, you know, we, can, we look at other people's work sometimes and think, oh, they were really lucky to get that or, you know, <laughs> done really well to get that. Actually, no, it's just... It's just hard work and, and dedication to it, isn't it? And you've just demonstrated that perfectly. Um, it, it's just beautiful. So, I, I mean, I was when I saw it, I thought, oh, wow. I also thought, as you were telling us how you got this image, I, that's my worst nightmare, spending night after night in the middle of Glasgow. <laughs> I find that quite freaky, actually. <laughs> I don't, don't think I could do that. Um, but but well done. It's, 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 it's just incredible. And... I think everybody's going to go and look at your um, your work now. Do you want to just um, tell us what your website's called? And I, I've already mentioned your Instagram is um, Mark Underwater. Um, where can we find you elsewhere? Yeah, so my, my website's markkirklandphotography.com. Uh, I don't think it's been updated for a long time. So <laughs> I've, 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 try, I've tried to do that before the... But before the podcast goes out, I'll, I'll put all my, my new photos on it. That's brilliant. Um, well, thank you so much for, for chatting with me today. It's just been really nice to meet you. <laughs>